0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The More You Give. I'm your host, Jackie Barnum. This episode is brought to you by VetTix, an organization that provides tickets uh, for entertainment sporting events to veterans service members active duty reservists you name it um, go to vet ticks xorg go check it out um, and as always i have to say this this episode everything i say my opinions are mine jackie barnum's alone and do not represent the opinions of the department of defense wow. Getting right into this episode, we have my old company officer, and I didn't mean to say the word old, my my company officer from the Naval Academy, um, and this person, you know, normally when I have guests, I try to call them and try to introduce myself to them, get to know them a little bit, but this person I have a very, very special connection with. Um, I have known Major Brian Shantosh for over 10 years years now i would yeah over 10 years um he was my company officer at the academy eighth company and he is the reason why i am a marine today or at least he's the reason why you know i had the confidence to put that down as my number one preference go for that goal um and i just am truly truly honored to have been been given advice and guidance from him over the last however many years so with that thank you sir for joining me today
1: yeah, great. Thanks. It's great to see you again. We've uh, chatted off and on through your last uh, what ten years? Has it been ten years? Two thousand thirteen when you graduated, right? Two thousand thirteen. I graduated in fourteen, but you left 14. the
0: academy in thirteen.
1: That's right. That's right. But uh, yeah, it's great to connect and see you and following you along and doing amazing things. And uh, hey, I don't. I don't think you're. I, I'm the reason why you are what you are. Uh, you're who you are because you're pretty freaking spectacular but um, maybe I helped you be able to express who you are in different ways so uh, but I appreciate the uh, I appreciate that thought.
0: I specifically remember and I don't know if you remember this but so you were at the academy from 2011 to 2013 and well first of all like what did you even think of that of that job because I know you didn't go to the academy you know and I knew I'm just curious what your opinion going into that was and how that what that experience was for you?
1: Yeah, that's a huge question. I'm going to use your whole 40 minutes on that. Uh, going to the Naval Academy was a place I wanted <laughs> to serve for a long time. I applied for it um, after the war as a, as a B bill at a second duty station and they They told me no, they sent me to TBS instead, which the Marine Corps and its wisdom, you know how it is, um, which was another phenomenal duty station at the basic school. And then I had the luxury as I was moving in towards retirement to leave 5th Marines again, division schools, and I applied for the Naval Academy for that role of company officer and I got accepted. And why, why did I wanna go there so bad was when we, we went to, right before we went to Fallujah, I had the choice to pick, we had on, on board of lieutenants I was a company commander. I was, hey, pick, pick the lieutenants you want. And all the company commanders got in Pat Malay's office. And we started looking. And I was like, hey, I just want everybody that graduated from a military academy. And so all of my lieutenants were military academy grads. And um, just really, really impressed with with who they were. Having having everybody from that same sort of background, whether it was from VMI or Naval Academy or wherever, um, there was a common operating ground. And I, I just really respected it. And they were phenomenal, phenomenal lieutenants. And so I was just like, hey, I need, to, I need to go back and figure out what this military academy stuff is all about. Um, and it was the most, it was one of the highlights of my career, um, serving at the Naval Academy with you all. Um, I don't think I ever worked as hard at an op tempo so high for so long. You know, all of throughout the career was spikes for short periods of time and then lulls and spikes and lulls and deployments. And I was wore out, but in such a great way, filled inside um, by working with all the midshipmen. And I found that the more the more you gave them, the more they wanted. And so the more you gave, the more they wanted. And it was just it was just neat, you know, to be able to practice my beliefs on leadership but treating others the way that you treat them regardless of rank regardless of anything and just treat people like people set really high expectations you know firm and fair compassionate um consistent things that i had learned from pat malay joe dunford and it was just so awesome man and then to watch you guys do amazing things um yeah there are mild frustrations here and there but you're gonna get those anywhere but it was a highlight highlight of my career yeah
0: so you were there at the, at the Naval Academy from 2011 to 2013. And so I would have been a second class on your second year there. Um, and I specifically remember, you know, I was wrestling with the idea of wanting to be a Marine because, unfortunately, like, if I mentioned it to somebody, people's reactions were so, like, in disbelief. Like, how could she possibly want to do that? You know, like, you're so insert whatever personality trait, you know, and I think I started to listen to those people and doubt myself. And I remember specifically coming into your officer and I sat down and I said, ask you the question. I was like, sir, like, do you think my personality will fit in with the Marine Corps? Like, do you think I will fit in? Do you remember me asking you that?
1: I vaguely remember that. Yeah, actually.
0: And I think that was my biggest, concern honestly like I never for a second thought I couldn't like wasn't physically fit enough or I never thought I would be you know I would struggle with the tests or the hikes or the you know with TBS and but it was more so of me feeling like I needed to be a certain way to be accepted and I remember I don't remember exactly like what you said but I remember the gist was you were like Jackie like look at me like I'm crazy. You know, like I'm out there. I'm different. I'm myself. And like, here I am.
1: Yeah, you know, it's there a lot of different things involved there, right? Like you're at the United States Naval Academy. And a lot of people don't think that they graduate Marines or Army officers or Air Force officers, you know, um, the Army and the Air Force officers are very, very small. On uh, you count them on one hand, but um, a, a large population of the officer corps in the Marine Corps is pulled from the Naval Academy. Um, And there's a lot of pressure too, right? Like, because you make up a small percentage of the Naval Academy, a graduating class of a thousand and change or whatever. And we pick, I don't know what the number was back then, 80 or 90 of those Marines as a cohort. And um, there's there's a lot of pressure for you. A lot of pressure around, like, "Hey, you're at the Naval Academy, be the Navy." There's more Navy people. You're surrounded by all of that culture, um, the culture and the institution of the Naval Academy with their nuances is very naval, which was an adjustment process for for myself coming from the Marine Corps, as with most Marines. Um, but you know, and then there's a stereotype of Marines, and if you go back and think about all the different Marines that were at the Naval Academy, that. Like, much, there's a lot of things that are similar, but all the personalities were different. And I think that's, what's so beautiful is just trying to break through that, that it takes a bunch of everybody, the diversity piece, right? Um, there's no one personality that is a Marine. Um, it's the collection of personalities that make the Marine Corps. And we need all different kinds of personalities. Um, it, it is really just one word. It's the whole diversity thing. And through diversity, you you, you build strength um, if you know how to apply it correctly. And There's just, you were just awesome. You know, I mean, I put you on the spot, make you blush, but like you, you stood out amongst your peers, like you're a go-getter, you're diligent. Like you had so many good characteristics that you could put a finger on and the personality is mildly interesting, you know, and you, you're probably, your personality has changed over the years to adapt to your surroundings, and your situation, but what makes you, you is so special and don't ever, don't ever lose you because then the institution, whatever the institution is that you find yourself in gets cheated out of the opportunity to have who you are and what you bring to the table as you and um you probably were in that office for an hour and a half probably had to call your professor to tell her that you were going to be late or something because that's the way it worked when when shipment came into the office i would just talk and talk and talk and blow everybody's sorry i gotta go to class i don't worry about your class
0: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah (laughs) yes sir did you find that throughout your time in the marine corps did you ever get resistance from other people telling you that you needed to be a certain way, or you were too X, Y, and Z, too much of this, not enough of this. Did you face that? Because I feel like you, you really pushed me and pushed others and you could continue to push this, you know, be yourself, be authentic, be vulnerable. Um, but that seems like such a radical idea for some reason.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, you know, it, it was later in my career. You know, my contemporaries were much younger in terms of either age or time in the Marine Corps. You know, I had the prior enlisted time. Most people of uh, as company officers came in after their second duty station or post command tour in the Marine Corps. You're supposed to have a post command tour, but I was I was well beyond all of that. Um, and I don't know. Sometimes I reflect and think that maybe I brought too much of that. Uh, uh, not, not maturity. Cause I definitely am not mature, but, um, that, that to the place as a company officer, you know, my role would have as a battalion, I'd so much more suited given that. But, um, I do believe in those things I've grown. I was told throughout my entire career to change that, uh, you know, I, I wasn't an exemplar Marine. Uh, I wasn't, I might've been a mediocre Marine Corps officer in terms of personality standards or, you know, doing the right thing, whatever, whatever, or being too crazy or whatnot. And I think about that a lot. and reflect like, yeah, did I let Marines down because I was who I was? Um, but, you know, for every, every person that told me, hey, you need to change, you do this, you need to, I always had somebody else saying, hey, keep that, just buffer it more prudently. And, you know, Pat Millay, Dan Healy, um, those were two gentlemen that were in my corner a lot saying, hey, who you are, Bob Piddick, like, it's important to retain that, but you gotta be smarter about how you apply it and how you influence or how you use it. And you got going to need to clean your shit up Tosh. And so I was, I was very fortunate to have a bunch of mentors, but, um, I would never tell anybody that they needed to have a personality adjustment, you know, maybe an attitude adjustment, or maybe to grow and evolve as a thinker. Um, but you know, you're dealing with, at the mid- at the midshipman level at the naval academy you're dealing with people that are 18 to 24 years old 22 on on the best average 18 to 22 or so going through a very tumultuous time in their lives you know you're still trying to figure out your own individual identity as a human being as a, as a boy or a girl or a man or a woman or um, your race your beliefs all this you're pulled from hometown and you're thrown into a, a, a big, huge, giant mixing bowl of people from all over the country of all different compositions. And then you're being put thrust into a, a military environment, uh, which is most likely new and unique. You're trying to sort all of that out on top of sorting out sexuality, identity, all this other stuff. And then you have the competing interests of sport, academics and military uh, application leadership, right? And so it's a very confusing time for a lot of young adults that are going through a, a, a critical developmental stage in their life. And you have to be sensitive to that as a leader at the Naval Academy to meet the midshipmen where they're at and just challenge them one or two steps ahead. And that was a thing that I was very sensitive to um, because there was midshipmen from all different spectrums of like, I can't be challenging them way above their means, you know, seven steps ahead of where they need to be at because we're never going to find it. So I had to know each individual or try to meet them where they're at and then challenge them appropriately so that the growth curve isn't abrupt and sharp. And it can be abrupt and sharp up or down depending on how you influence your audience. So it was something that I thought about quite a bit. Um, maybe it's not talked about. Maybe it is talked about. Maybe I'm just blowing smoke up my own ass. I don't know. But um, I took it very serious. Sir, I literally,
0: I, this is, this is so interesting that you're saying this because I was going to save this for like later, but you're already like bringing it up. So I have an email from you from Uh-oh. Those famous August 6th, 2015. <laughs> and I'm not, I, this was when I was already commissioned, but I emailed you about, you know, my Marines and they, I, you know, I was like, they're so great. Like they're, they're getting out. Like, how can I stop this from happening or something? You know, and you were like, you literally gave me such a reality check. Um, but literally what you just said about, you know, meeting whoever you're leading, like where they're at and then challenging them as appropriately. And literally in this email, I have it highlighted where you said, um, Jackie would be best served to love them and treat them well and task them and delegate and give them as much responsibility as they can prove to be challenged with. That will make them further grow. And like you literally just like said that again, you know, just now. And that's honestly how I approach even like my students, because I'm a company officer at the Naval Academy prep school. And so being able to recognize like, yes, I have some of these prior Marines who are, sergeants and corporals and have been ncos and then i have some kids who are 17 years old who just you know came to play football and don't really have an understanding of the military and the bigger picture yet and those their whys are very different they may change and fluctuate so how do we you know push them all appropriately and make sure that because again you know good old military we spend 10 or you know 90 percent of our time on the 10%, you know? And I feel like as a company officer at the Naval Academy, especially, it's like, we we have to be cognizant of that. And we have to be like, okay, but all of these people, all of these students want to be better. They all want to be challenged. Like we can't get sucked into this, you know, just the ones that are in trouble and just only focus on them. So it's just interesting, like being able to recognize the potential in every single person and getting to know them on that personal level and then pushing them and making every single person better. And I think you, you absolutely did that. I know you did that with me when I was a student there.
1: Yeah. It's funny. I must've been pretty smart back then too. No, I'm just joking. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a funny thing, the military, you, you got standards, you got rules and regulations, you got standards and they're not negotiable and they're not, um, relative to any individual or, or the audience. It's the rules, it's the rules, regulations, and standards, and you uphold those. Um, but then your growth curve, everybody's on a different timeline for growth. Um, not just military people, but I'm on my own timeline for growth. Ideally, we're still traje- the trajectory or we're trending upwards, but You know, I think about it with my, my children. People ask me all the time, like, what's a book that I should read as a military leader? And it's, yeah, it's this Nolte book. It's children learn what they live. And like, Oh, well, I'm reading a children's book. And I'm like, yeah, because it's leadership. Parenting is the ultimate leadership enterprise. And I learned a lot from that book, you know? Um, And it's a very simple book, but if you look at your, you look at your people as a team, but as like, you love them. And my goal was always to try to love each individual more than they love themselves. In an appropriate fashion, right? Um, not in a narcissistic way or, or in, a, in a, any other weird ways that people can misconstrue my comment, but, um, and just try to love each individual. And if you love an individual, you try to understand who they are, what makes them tick, what motivates them, and you, you continually proffer towards that and continually challenge because you know you want them to grow you can't get from a to z by skipping the middle of the alphabet but everybody likes to breeze through you know Q R S M P T or whatever the order is and it's like you got to focus on each step
0: right i think that's so important is this lo- like we love our marines like we become marines so that we can lead marines you know at the best job that we possibly could have is being a company commander. For me, like, being a company commander, being a company officer, um, I would say being a company officer at the Naval Academy is even more, there's even more pressure to, you know, say the right things, uh, hold yourself accountable, because everything you say and do is watched. I mean, I know, I'm cognizant of that in the the fleet, in the Marine Corps, but these students, you know, when you're dealing with 17, 18, 19-year-old kids kind of they were just kids thinking they're adults going through all these changes in life you they are sponges and everything they you say and do are you know you're the face of the marine corps um to them that's what you were to me like who else would i who else did i have to go to at the naval academy like you know i walked down the hall to major shantosh's office and bothered him every minute i could every thought because because you're all that i had and i think something that i think about too is like if you ever had dismissed me or said, like, Jackie, I don't have time for you, like, that's a stupid question or anything like that, like, I probably would never have come to you again, you know, because that kind of trust would be broken. And I think that's how I try to at least approach any student that come, you know, I had a student that come to my office and asked me to teach her how to use an ATM, you know, and I, it's like sort of these shocking moments sometimes in your mind, but that isn't that whatever you're being asked is the most important thing in that moment, you know? And I just remember sir, sort of like, and knowing what I know now about the, you know, the tempo of the Naval Academy and how, how much we have going on. Like, <laughs> you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of taskers that you're dealing with and to always make time, no matter what I, there was never, I don't think ever a time that you turned anybody away from your door. And I think it's that, that just that love you have for your people. And, um, I even was reading, I did a little Google search on you earlier just to get my notes together and you were on another podcast um, and there, the notes about it were describing you, you know, your mental fortitude, your kindness and vulnerability and how those are all admirable traits that you display. And I found it interesting because you're, you know, and you're like Mr. Infantry in my mind, you know, like Mr. Infantry Officer, like ultimate infantry, but to be described as like, you know, kindness, vulnerability, authenticity, nowhere in here does it say like, you know, aggressiveness or like abrasiveness, you know what I mean? And those I feel like are like the stereotypical traits that the you know, Marines are supposed to be showing, but you truly do lead with, you know, an open heart and kindness and vulnerability. And you have set that example, I think so, so well for me to follow.
1: I appreciate that. I think those are some of the greatest compliments I've received as a as a Marine officer in, in the later parts of my career. And, um, you know, you don't don't tell people how much you care about them, show them because it's it's received so much more powerful. And it's the times when people when you, you think you're talking to somebody and you're having value. Yeah, you might be. But it's the times that you're not. And that person's watching how you treat others that you might be communicating more. Um, I had a, I had a guy, we served together back in three, five, he was a mortarman. He reached out to me actually a few days ago and said, Hey, sir, you know, I was thinking about leadership a lot and, you know, leadership traits, like what ones are the most important to you. And, you know, we got the JJ did tie buckle and everything. And I thought on it and I didn't have to think too long. And the answer I sent back to him was compassion. And it's, it's not in JJ did tie buckle, but it's, it's also not like this image that we want to be compassionate we don't want to be Marine officers and not be compassionate. Like we don't want that. Like, I think you do, because ultimately at the end of the day, if if you want to get people to to fight for you, they need to love you, respect you, trust you. And you don't do that by putting up some of these other things that uh, we, we tend towards, Um, especially in the infantry, you know, yeah, it's aggressiveness and, and whatnot is celebrated, but man, as a human being, you know, compassion is celebrated a whole lot more.
0: Right, and I think, um, and I also, so I have a few times listened to a po- your own podcast that you have, um, Crooked Butterfly Podcast, mm. which, how did you come up with that name? I don't think I've ever asked oh. you that. What is that? Is there, like, yeah. a reason for the name?
1: Nicole and I talked about that a lot. Um, I mean, there was a song that came on the radio one time about a, a butterfly and broken wing and picking it up and caring for it, and... The, the lyrics really resonated. Um, and I think a lot about life and how, where I went wrong, um, where you try to guide others from not going as wrong as they're about to. Um, and thinking about a butterfly and they don't fly in straight lines, you know, um, even to get deeper, you know, a butterfly it's super underappreciated when it's young, it's a caterpillar and then it has this, this life-changing event. And then it emerges as something completely different through the through that struggle, and they're gorgeous, they're beautiful, and it's, it's that's life, right? Like people, their their germination period is they're underappreciated, this that until they reach something happens to them, and then they emerge through that into something wonderful. But then that's when the journey really starts, and you know, butterflies they don't fly in straight lines, they can't. And I look at a lot of people when I mentor, um, I guide my business, helping people navigate life, which is extremely complex these days. Uh, They set goals. Oh, I got to have a goal. And I got to build, I got to backtrack my goals, reverse timeline and set the steps. And it's very linear. When in life have you ever done anything like that linear? Do you think of any period? You're always moving and flowing to events that you have no control over, you have limited control about putting yourself in those situations, but no, no journey is perfect and straight. In fact, the beauty is in that you wander a little bit, you know, and you arrive and you just be as beautiful as you can given, given whatever path you're on. So crooked butterfly seemed to, to fit. There's my super sensitive. Oh, that dude's a dork. But, uh, I think about it a lot cause it's, it's pretty valuable.
0: I've just always wondered that. Uh, so thank you. Now I can tell, everybody who's wondered. We've all, we've all wondered that. Um, but there's a specific episode that you have from November 7th, 2021. And the, ep- the title of that is Courage to Be Yourself. And I kind of keep going back again to this sort of theme about being ourselves and being vulnerable. And um, I think I listened to that podcast episode, at least I listened to it at least three times. I have to skip through the beginning when you're talking about like hunting and stuff, because I <laughs> don't. I don't relate to the punting part, Um, but you say, you know, talk about how you were being, like, accused of pontificating, and, like, you don't even, you know, just your whole, like, thought process about, like, when you try to go out and talk about leadership and talk about lessons you learn and talk about being authentic, like, inevitably, you're going to get that resistance, and most of the times, you know, of course, it's from nameless, anonymous, whoever's that you know, have to just like attack everything that you do. And I, I frequently reference that podcast because I find myself getting sucked into that, like, you know, frustration of, you know, the more I try to be myself and say, Hey, it's okay to be yourself. The more that people come back and say like, how dare you, you know? So how do you find, how do you like find it in you to just continue doing this? Because if it, you know, you haven't changed. I don't like, you know, like your, your personality and like who you are and your authenticity, like you have been very, very constant. And how do you handle those situations when people are literally telling you like, you're pontificating, like, or say like ridiculous things?
1: Yeah. Uh, I have an aversion to the word pontification anyways. Um, when it's thrown out, I don't think people really know what that word means. Um, it's, it's not a, uh, compliment. I had right? to Google like it's, it's, it. I didn't know it. It's, then, like a derogat- it's not derogatory, but it's a negative compliment. It's a negative compliment if you want, but, uh, you know, and was like, yeah, hey, there's, there's nothing about me that's, that does that. Um, and that is certainly not the intention. Um, I think about voices, critics, opinions of others. It's like, Hey, everybody's opinion matters. Um, at minimum, it's just a, it's a window inside to who that person is, and if you try to figure out why they're having that assumption or, or impression from you, it's more of a window to who they are maybe. Um, so I never hold it against them. And I'm not ever going to say that it doesn't matter because it does matter. Uh, the thoughts of a stranger do matter, but I give them an appropriate amount of matter. Whereas the people that I love, or I care about, the people that know me, um, their opinions have so much greater value you know, a thousand, ten thousand fold value then, but every opinion does matter. Um, some opinions are formed. Some opinions are just thrown out there without little thought, but um, a lot of soul searching, you know, uh, after I retired, uh, you know, I'm, I'm now absent of the construct of the military environment and struggled a lot with who, who I am. Who am I? Like, am I going to be the same person now that I don't have the Marine Corps as a as a frame of reference to fit in in a mold like and what parts of being a marine can I get rid of and let go of because now I'm not in that situation or environment anymore and what parts of me need to stay in place because that's who I am as a human being and there was a few years there or just wrestled with that and um just really grown a lot after retirement you know right 21 years in the Marine Corps and then my my large part of some really, really powerful personal growth happened in the three, four years afterwards. Um, and it is, it's like, I I always preached not preach, but I always was an advocate of consistency, like who you are in any situation needs to be the same. And if you're different given different situations, uh, then there's a, an interpretation process that has to go on. People have to figure out like, well, who is he today? Or who is he? Why is he like this? And so you just try to be as consistent as possible across as many endeavors as possible. And that's, that's who you are. And that allows people to understand you more and now communication can happen and now trust can be built. And now um, respect is formed or respect is formed and trust is built. But um, it's something that I look forward to. You know, I don't need to impress. I'm actually getting ready to release another podcast I've been working on for a few weeks, just off and on in my head about what I'm doing in my life and why do I do certain things and what am I getting from it? Who's getting benefit from it as well and you do things for others you do things for yourself you're trying to validate yourself to others you're trying to validate for yourself and when is enough enough you know everybody's always talking about all these big names in the in the leadership sphere on instagram and social and growth and do this and do this and do this and i'm just like that's that's bullshit like that's just all business talk because you're trying to make money you know And, and not that that's wrong or anything it's just like i just don't find that that really works um to the degree of fidelity that i i want and anyways i'm rambling again but um you can connect the dots it's funny that tony robbins actually recently came out and said it's all all this positive thinking stuff is bullshit and i'm like that's where you made your mega millions of dollars was positive thinking field and now it's it's not you know and it's like yeah hey way way past this whole you know positive thinking stuff and what matters most is developing this core inside the heart Right. And it's balanced with what you've built in your head and you you negotiate between the two and you arrive at something that is is you. And as long as you're putting things into practice every day that reinforces that, um, you can have wonderful, positive effect on on the world and and even better, like the the most loved ones around you. You know, so who cares? Like, what are you somebody going to call me a sissy? Like, whatever, man, I you know, I'm not worried about any of that anymore. It wasn't always like that, you know, back in the twenties, my my twenties, early thirties, we're very much concerned with what other people think. And not that that's wrong. It's just where we're at in our growth continuum. And I feel like we all move through that at a certain point.
0: Right. There's something specific you said in there where you said in your episode, um, there are always, there is always the type of person out there that I'm not let those people attract those people. So you literally were like I'm I'm A, you know, and A's attract A's. I don't necessarily want to attract the Bs and Cs and Ds. Like if you are interested in the Bs, Cs, Ds type people, like that person exists, I don't necessarily have to. You said um I don't want to be the kind of person who isn't happy with myself for the benefit of others. And I I like literally was, like, I have like written notes on this podcast and these are like, have become my mantras almost. Yeah.
1: I think that's a, that's a key maybe to a happy life. You know, um, and I do believe that, you know, there's, there's, you might as well just be yourself because everybody else is already taken. That was a quote that I had heard from somewhere else a long time ago. And I think about that a lot and like, why am I trying to be like so-and-so they're already taken? Like, let me be, who I am. And if you find that attractive, uh, you'll, you'll be in my corner and we'll have an exchange and there's a value in the relationship there. Um, and it's founded on it's, 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 I think I might've even in that podcast talked about like dating. It's like when you're really, really young and it's the the girl that you want to date in high school. It's like, man, I need to be something that she likes me. So you try to be that person and then, Oh, okay, cool. Then you start dating, you're holding hands and, and stuff, walking through the hall. And, that relationship never lasts because eventually you figure out who each other is. It's like, man, I'm not really even attracted to that person. Not that they're a bad person or not, but it's not for me. It's not the jigsaw puzzle that fits. And so then you, you start dating somebody else and you, how many times are you going to repeat that same pattern of trying to be what you think somebody else wants? Because most likely that person doesn't even know what they want either anyways. And so you're both trying to figure something out and there's, you're figuring things out based off of something that's not even figured out so the the starting point just needs to be figure out who you are and be that person with unabashedly just be that person and you will find your audience of however big or however small that you can have the greatest impact on um and you have to sprinkle a little bit of goodness in there too right because we want to it's that whole conversation, uh, good leader, bad leader. Well, was Hitler a good leader or a bad leader? It's like, well, well you know, like, yeah, that guy's an asshole and did horrible things, but was he a good leader? I don't know. Like, hey, just sprinkle some goodness into your personality, into your beliefs, into your core, and make the world better in the process by attracting the people that are attracted to you.
0: Yes. Um, so I think another thing about you that I really admire is, so you're the type of mentor or you're a mentor, and I think good mentors do this, is you tell people what they need to hear, not necessarily what they want to hear. So even like, you know, reading through this email from 2015, um, you know, you're literally like spitting facts, spitting straight truths and like making, really like deflating my second lieutenant balloon there. Cause you know, of course I'm so like up here and you're like, Jackie, this is real. You know, this is the truth. And there's a part where you say like, not to bum you out, but I I need to paint the reality for you. I need to help you understand so you can rise above and be super successful. Um, and then even towards the bottom, I love this, how you closed it. And you were like, I'm not going to go back and proofread like total, like major chantage ism right there. Um, and I think even in your podcast, you were like, you like said a quote when you're like, I don't know who said it. I'm not going to go look it up. I don't, like, I'm like just going to keep, I'm just going to keep going. Um, but you, you give me the advice and say, Hey, don't inflate your people. Don't give them what they always want. And I think that, I mean, that is hard to do because we want to make people feel good and we want to, you know, lift them up, 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 up. But sometimes, like, you have to be honest and you have to be truthful and paint that reality for them.
1: Yeah, that's that's where trust and respect can, can either grow or, or die, right? Um, if somebody's faking something and you know that it's not true, you're just eroding, that relationship between the two of you, whether it's conscious or not in the moment, you know, and you know, it's coming from a place of love and caring and you, you hope that the person that you're giving that feedback and yeah, maybe there's some tact involved depending on knowing the recipient of your message that you have to kind of do it, but you know, don't sell snake oil uh, because sooner or later, they're going to find out that it was snake oil. And then you sell snake oil. Once you might've done a million good things, you've just ruined all of those million good things because you sold that snake oil one time. And, um, you just gotta be careful of that sometimes we don't want to tell people because we're supposed to lift them up, lift them up. We don't want to hurt their feelings. Sometimes we tell people because we want to be liked and we don't want to make them mad at you. And it's like, man, that's, and that's where maturity comes in where, Hey, I'm telling you this cause I care about you. It's not going to be easy to hear, but you need to hear it and take it for what it's worth, but just know that it's coming from a place of goodness And nobody else is telling you, nobody else is telling you this, then either you're surrounded by a bunch of ignorance or people that just really aren't that evolved, you know? Um, And so I just try to do that. And I try to be very, very thoughtful with what I say, even though I do ramble and I don't connect the dots really well with where my head's going at times. But um, just being thoughtful about the message you're communicating. And and it, it is, it just all arrives because you care.
0: Right. And I think the Naval Academy even sort of has this, you know, you've probably, I've heard it said to me a million times at the Academy. It's the, you're the best and the brightest. You're the best and the brightest, you know, and you just keep telling 5,000 students that over and over and over again. So then it's like, okay, well, I'm as good as I'm going to get, like I've made it, I'm set. And it's sort of also, I think about this a lot is, you know, when we have Marines go through boot camp, go through the depot, and they are they are transformed into Marines. And then there's, like, even a book, um, you know, the sustaining the transformation. Like, do we just want to sustain? Like, because then where's the growth? If we're already the best and the brightest, like, then there's no getting better than that. There's no, you know, it's more than just sustaining. It's So I think we have to re-message that and change that because – we get like comfortable when we're just sustaining like, yeah, that's that's easy to do.
1: Yeah, you know, um, it's it's funny that you bring that up because I, I used to get I used to get yell, yelled at quite a bit. And I actually talked to a large audience and then I kind of got in a little trouble for telling everybody that they weren't the best and the brightest. Um, there's there's value there with with forming and shaping and having that messaging. Right. It's not brainwashing, but there's there's something there when you, hey, you're the best and the brightest, you're the best and the brightest, but that's not growth mindset stuff. Um, but w- my big thing was it was constantly bombarded to the midshipmen, you're the best and the brightest, you're the future, you're the best and the brightest of America. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, no, they're not. They're, they're absolutely not. Well, if she was the best and the brightest, why is she failing physics? Or if she's the best and the brightest, why did they cheat on their exam? Or if he's the best and the brightest, why is he out of weight? Or why? And I'm not even talking about some of the uglier stuff that happened at the Naval Academy. And you got to be very careful with your messaging. If you're constantly saying, hey, you're the best and the brightest, well, this person is getting away with doing this stuff. These other people know, and we're inadvertently reinforcing the new lowest standard. <clears throat> well, if the best and the brightest can do this and get away with it, why am I achieving what I'm achieving or why am I doing this or why am I doing that? Or, Hey, I guess that's acceptable. And you know, I, Hey, I'm, I'm sure the commandant or whoever's going to call me up after the you post your podcast, be like Tosh, you can't say that. And, and like, whatever you're, the audience at the midshipmen at the Naval Academy are not the best and the brightest are not. Um, I do think it's amazing what every young adult, said that they wanted to do was to serve their country. And I think that is exceptional. They're going to a military academy for whatever reasons to serve their country. That is super commendable. How many people were in on waivers at the Naval Academy? That's not America's best and the brightest. And so what we create is this dissonance, right? Um, This incongruence between behavior, aptitude, competency, all of those things with the messaging, and it creates confusion. And when you have that confusion, then we don't have an opportunity to actually influence for positive trajectory. And it's like I used to. I, every time somebody said, "Oh, the shipment are the best and the brightest," you don't see what I see. So either you're not doing your job, or you're full of shit. Like, because you guys weren't the best. You can't even make your racket. You're supposed. Hey, the rules are the rules. Make your bed in the morning. Have your room cleaned up. No candles. You you can't do the rules like you're not the best and the brightest. You know, <laughs> at a, at a simple level. But no you can candles. play that out. You know, um, but, you know, the potential of everybody at that Naval Academy is super, super special, super special. And uh, I I love the whole brigade, you know, in, in, in each individual's own special way. Right. Like there was some problem, problem midshipmen for sure. There were midshipmen that were wonderfully exceptional um, across the whole spectrum, you know, um, and you love each individual for who they are. Um, and maybe even more importantly, you love them because you know who they could be and they don't know yet. Um, and, and it's just thinking that, right? Like you, you're going to be a wonderful Marine Jackie. Like I already know that you don't know that, but I love you for that because I know that you don't know yet. And I meet you, I meet you there.
0: Right. Yes, sir. Um, wow. That was so great. I just want to like keep talking forever, but I do want to wrap it up. I got to, I... Just really appreciate you being here. Um, Before I close, I do want to read the one more quote from the email because I just find it so, so perfect. You said, I don't suspect that you will buy the ticket I'm trying to sell you right now. It's okay, but save this email and reflect on it after four years, even more so after 10. So I just want to prove to everybody that I do have this email. I do reflect on it. I have reflected on it many times and honestly, everything in here and everything that you said to me when I was 19 years old, when I was, I think maybe, you know, 22 years old at this time and now being 29, like everything that you say is just so consistent and just, I don't know. I just am so honored to get to know you and um, I know you have your own podcast and Uh, So where can people find, can find you and follow you, sir?
1: Oh man. Um, I do, I I have Instagram accounts is what I usually follow. My personal one, Tosh.CrookedButterfly. That's mostly just me putting my face out there. Um, I have Crooked Butterfly Instagram, where I I post a lot of leadership stuff, life stuff. Um, I have the Crooked Butterfly podcast. Um, I started a nonprofit called the Big Fish Foundation to help veterans um and so big fish foundation under big fish underscore foundation on the instagrams or you can look at the we have websites too you just just hit the googles and you'll come up with something so yeah all right and i live in colorado if you can get to the address i'll have a beer with you
0: (laughs) yes actually i think i'm going to a wedding in colorado this year so I will take you up on that offer, sir.
1: Yeah, I, I offer that to so many people. Like, hey, if you get, if you find a house, you come in, you make yourself at home. I'll, I'll take care of you if I'm home, <laughs> you know. And I've had two people actually take me up on that. And one was at a CrossFit seminar when I was working for CrossFit and uh, a participant. And I threw it out there. And it must have been like three years later. I get this car coming down the driveway and I go to get the shotgun and the dogs are barking. Like... And he, and he stopped at the top of the driveway like, hey, sir, hey, hey, it's, it's not that. And I'm like, all right, come on down, you know. And then sure enough, he took me up on the offer. He brought his um, fiance and a, and a friend and we spent the day together. I just stopped everything I was doing and just just hang out with this guy, you know. And uh, very few people take me up on the offer. Of course. But uh, it's open, man. Open house.
0: Yes, sir. Well, usually this podcast is about, you know, how others give. I've had interviewed um, some nonprofit. Founders. Um, and I have, I'm talking to Ryan Mannion actually next week, which is going to be super exciting. Um, and the, the, when I started this podcast, it was more of like, you know, I want to interview people who help others, but I just felt like you gave so much to me. And I just, this episode is just really, really special to me, sir, um, because of what you gave me. And I, I hope that everyone listening to this can can relate especially if you're at the Naval Academy a young leader you know newly commissioned Um, I think you know Major Santosh everything he said you know resonates with all of us so again sir thank you so much for your time I love you very much I love Nicole love just so appreciative everything you you all do so thank you so much
1: you're so welcome, man. I appreciate you. You know, you're you're amazing, Jackie. And uh really excited to connect and have a great talk with Ryan. She's she's on the top list of, of favorite people as well. So tell her I said hello. Um fabulous work she's doing with the Travis Manion Foundation and uh yeah, it's just good to connect and let's, let's just keep staying in touch. Um I love following you, seeing what you're doing and you're doing you're doing everything that you accuse me of doing, um, for others and just, just keep doing that. Um and the world is right, man.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of The More You Give. I'm Jackie Barnum. For more episodes and content, go follow me on the Bread deck. If you haven't, listen to my episode with Tanner Green where we talk about service. Please go check that out. It was an amazing conversation. Um, today we had a wonderful conversation with Major Brian Shantosh where we dove into authenticity, being yourself as a leader, and that constant journey to finding yourself and how to be your best self. See you next week.